0: This podcast is produced by Student Media. Student Media is a student organization at the University of Evansville. Student Media produces the Crescent Magazine, published online and in print three times a semester. Student Media produces several podcasts and utilizes design, photography, video, and sound towards experiential and academic learning in journalistic endeavors and engaging storytelling. Student Media elevates the voice of the student body and connects the campus and community to important information and points of view. To learn more, visit crescent.evansville.edu. Hello, players who sit in the same exact spot for every session, and when someone else sits in their seat, make them move, because I'll be damned if I'm moving from my fucking assigned spot.
1: That was a lot. in um, DMs Sorry. to <laughs> make everybody at the table cry on a one-shot, one-off event in a story that's pre-existing to never go back to that particular universe ever again.
0: Welcome back to Table Talk, season two. Season two. I'm Maddie. And I'm Robert. Uh, and I immediately, like, I'm at a loss. We don't have, so this is like, okay, if you're a long-time listener, which, if if you're not a long-time listener and this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're so glad to have you. You should listen to our other episodes, too. <laughs> uh, but this is going to be kind of reminiscent of our uh, session zero from last season. from last season. Jesus, fuck. It's this been... is this is
1: the vibe of, of some of our sessions. It's chaotic, it's all over the place. We have lots of different things that we like to talk about. Yes. Um this season we're hoping that we're going to start rolling in segments, so uh like reoccurring portions of each episode. We're going to try and roll that a little bit in today. We'll see how it goes, but um session 0 for season 1 was very much similar. It's kind of chaotic, just to catch up, tell you who we are, the kinds of things that we do during our week. Um what D&D we've been up to. systems. Yeah, just um... sort of Maybe nerd we'll, stuff. we'll
0: talk about highlights of ours from the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just kind of a, a, casual, a casual hangout, a casual uh, chat of sorts. Because um, it's been a while since we've actually been in the studio recording. Because um, we pre-recorded a bunch of episodes uh, while we were on break. Uh, and the only thing that we've come in and recorded since uh, 2023... Is hang on, there's just a loose wire. What is that supposed to
1: connect? I'm 99% to? certain that it took us centuries to figure out where this wire was supposed to go. I don't
0: think that one connects to anything. I think
1: it got plugged into something.
0: No, I think that's the one that when someone is like bringing someone in on Zoom or something, they use this because oh. I
1: think that. Okay, yeah, I don't know. They've changed things. Anyways, uh, uh. our space is constantly getting touched by other people. And I mean, to be well, fair, it's, it's a ours. shared space, but listen, we. Reworked the whole thing. We moved <laughs> tables in. We put the, we the, uh, built the computer stuff. We built a new
0: studio. The two of us built a new studio.
1: And now people are changing fucking computer settings, and things aren't the same anymore. Well,
0: the camera died, and I am close to tears. But
1: that's ju- the the general here. vibe.
0: We're here. Yep. And that's what matters. So what if we? What if? what have we been up to well uh this this past weekend has probably been both of our biggest weekends in terms of um like tabletop gaming and everything just because this is the first weekend that we've played
1: mm-hmm. um, in a while
0: in like um, almost 2 months yep um and i dm'd my first session ever Ooh. um i'm still not like a dm i'm still calling myself player first in every capacity um you but... also didn't
1: dm in like 5e so yes no, no you're no, no, not no. you're not a real yeah. like, I, a okay. real wow. DM yet.
0: wow significantly
1: harder system no, 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 that's no, no, all no. i'm saying no, 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 no. it's I, a wholly okay. different ball okay. game
0: this is a but I'm entirely okay, I'm different a GM. monster. I'm a game master. I do not want to be a there we GM. Go. There we go. Kindly, I'm kindly. Okay, okay. I don't want to touch 5e with a 10-foot pole from behind the screen. I think
1: you'll eventually touch it. I think it's just going to take some time. I w-
0: I'm, I'm going to have to at some point. Yeah. But... That's not. That's neither here nor there. For those
1: that are that are unfamiliar with the the terms, DM is dungeon master and GM is game master. They're used pretty interchangeably. Some people use DM specifically when talking about D and D because it's Dungeons and Dragons. It's trademarked and there. GM is a, a much more broadly used term because it can work for pretty much any system, any TTRPG. I mean, you name it. As long as you're in control of it, you might as well give yourself the title. So. Technically, in this capacity, Madison would be a GM, not a DM, because she did not play in the D&D systems. Oh,
0: my God. I don't Fucking... give a shit.
1: I just think it's funny to draw the line to be like, you actually can't call yourself that because you didn't play in the system.
0: Yeah, if you're taking that stance, neck beard behavior. I do
1: have a neck beard right now. I need to shave it off. <laughs> so.
0: Um. But, yeah, so I did a. I. I. well, this is kind of a practice because I have some friends that go to Purdue that um eventually are going to be coming down.
1: Or the test dummies.
0: Um, yes, they are. They are my my fucking little guinea pigs, uh, and it was a it was a Percy Jackson themed uh, one shot. Woo! Uh, that's gonna on the kids on bikes, kids on broom system. Um, I kept all the original stats, but I did make fun little custom character sheets and. Um, I ended up writing um, I shit you not. As of right now, it's thirty five pages and it's still growing. She uh, has her own source book. Source book for yep. myself because um, I really love Percy Jackson um, and it's a world that's already so pre established that mm-hmm. like it's not something that I can bullshit on the fly. Especially having your own
1: character. lore all in one place yeah. is really easy and uh, just kind of advised. Honestly, like having yeah. seventeen different tabs open is definitely a way to do it, but to have like one general document where you can like control effort. Command F if you're on fucking Mac, I guess. I'm not happy about um, that. And just be able to do it that way is so much easier. Like, you know, we've all seen the people that run 25 different tabs up at the same time. Yeah. Oh, my of computer
0: it. is always screaming for help.
1: I'm guilty of it occasionally, but I do my best to keep them decluttered and having all of your, like, your data and your information and your stat blocks either on the same app or relatively between the same two or three documents, highly advised. Because otherwise, if you don't know your content like the back of your hand... Someone's going to ask you a question that you weren't prepared for and you're going to have to go uh give me a second talks amongst yeah. yourselves and then you're going to listen to the world's most awkward role plays none of them know how to make casual conversation.
0: Correct. And it was it, this was something where I was pulling so the the premise for the one shot was basically cool this group of like um, fucking 13 to 15 year olds um, are all uh, arrive at camp half-blood in the same week. They're newbies. Uh, they haven't been claimed by their godly parent yet. This was basically a fun little one-shot where they get claimed by their godly parent and the next time we play, uh, they're gonna play a game of Capture the Flag. It is very simple. Um, I was not trying to do anything crazy and I was also working with people who had varying levels of like knowledge of the Percy Jackson the world. world. Yeah, like, uh, this is next crazy. This is this is a sidebar. Robert has only seen the movies. Yep. Oh, yeah, I haven't I... read the
1: books. I haven't watched the TV show. I've only seen the movies. And when I first started watching the movies, I had no idea that the books were a thing. Like I didn't know that they were based off something.
0: I did not know that these people actually existed. Like I don't think I, you like... understand
1: how much of a like advocate I am for watching movies first and reading book reading books second, Which because is a crazy you will take. ruin your fucking like. Listen, there are some movies it's that are ab- objectively. Take. Not based on the content, are funny to watch and are a good no, ride and are super enjoyable. And then you go and read the books, and it's like, holy shit, that fucking movie was dog water. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so
1: I'm just an advocate for watching first and reading second because the the worst thing that happens when you read the book after you watch the movies, you're like, wow, you're disappointed. His book is so fucking cool. Well, because his characters are so much more interesting.
0: Yeah, because a movie's never going to be able to like fully show that. Yeah, um... unless
1: you do it over like 35 movies, like Dune's planning on doing. <sighs>
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, dude, or yay!
1: The MCU, right, um, with the colossal amount of comic book character right. stuff they have to pack in.
0: But uh, so I was working with people like Robert, who would all, which is still only so crazy. Only seen to the me, movies and heard about like, the books. Who like I read the books and like. I was like, I'm like it's not really a secret that I read as someone who's very much been on Tumblr for a very long time mm-hmm. um, I I thought these people were fake. I didn't think there were people out there that actually had like only seen the movies and didn't even nope. know there were books that was that was crazy that was a crazy conversation for me to have. but so I had people like that and then I also had people who had read all the books uh, but it had been a couple years as a then... shirt
1: for Camp Jupiter. Yeah, Act like... he talks about how much certain characters mean to him and yeah, pretty much spent the whole session fanboying over individuals it was that he so met at camp.
0: Um, so I I knew that since I was, like, going to be working, I wanted to do something introductory, and then with that also, with it being such a pre-established world, it's not something where someone can be like, okay, cool, like, what do I see around? Because, like, in the Kids on Bike system, and the thing that I love the most about it, and we'll probably do a whole episode this... um. Uh, season about uh, kids on bikes just because I love it so much yep. it's so collaborative like it is like yeah there's a GM but the players also have a like huge chunk in creating the world and shaping the world. And like kind of GMing the world because they get like full control over their actions and certain points and stuff. And this mm-hmm. was kind of difficult to balance with that system just because it's so pre-established. So I was like working with like I was putting together I was like rereading some of the books and like taking like chunks of text out. And then I was going from like fan wiki pages and like putting all this together. Yep. Um, so I put a fuck ton together and I wanted to have it printed out because I I learned very quickly. I want my physical stuff. If I'm yeah. behind the I mean, screen, I'm good I want either a way, man. Position, really. I, want a, I want physical. I want paper. Mm-hmm. I don't want.
1: I think to there's be just a, a lot to be said about choosing to place a campaign in a world that already exists and already has source material versus like making your own from scratch. Yeah. Um, or kind of doing it an in between. And I think the collaborativeness can exist in D and D as well. I think the the biggest issue is that D and D, specifically Fifth Edition, is so rule heavy and yes. so um, text based and it really takes some, and this is not to say that you can't get into it. I mean, pretty much all of season one was dedicated how to get into 5e specifically, but mm-hmm. it takes a certain kind of person and group of people in a DM to make a collaborative space in a world that is so bogged down by um, mechanics and spells and classes and subclasses and multi-classes. And, uh, kids on bikes, kids on brooms. it doesn't really come with a lot of that, so you can put a significantly bigger emphasis on the role-playing aspect of it and less on the mechanics of the world. So it just, it kind of depends. I think you can achieve the same thing in both. I think you just have to work a lot more to get that to happen in 5e as opposed to something like Kids on Bikes, uh, Kids on Bikes, Kids on Brooms that kind of happens a little bit more naturally. Yeah. Because you don't have 76 different spells to look at at any given time and you don't have a movement speed to pay attention to and you don't have an AC to keep in mind and you don't have hit points.
0: It's free and Mm -hmm. I like that because I'm someone with more of a background in like like stage improv and like uh, less of like, I'm very good at the like, Uh, And and Robert helped me a lot, and I do have to give him a shout-out with uh, the night before we ended up switching uh, the days that we were going to play, because we were going to play Mime One-Shot on Sunday, and we were going to play our um, kind of like one-off of our regular campaign. Yeah, which we'll talk um, about after
1: hers, and you'll understand why we made that switch. Yeah, but
0: we decided to switch, uh, like, the night before at, like, 10 o'clock, and Mm -hmm. I'm sitting there, and I, like, at one point look at Robert, and I'm like... I need fucking help. I don't know how no. mechanics work in this. Like, I I'm mechanics are not my strength. Um, I'm great with the like creativity aspect of it. I'm cool with coming up with names and puns and plot hooks and story hooks and story beats and like all of the creative aspects of it. But when it comes to like making it tangible, that part is very scary for me. So mm. I had Robert help me a lot. Setting with, like,
1: a stat block or yeah. figuring out how a specific thing works or what kind of a DC or an AC or that sort of thing to set for things is very difficult. And I think that's why. Fiving in particular is so um, impenetrable to people that, that are more improvy in background and want a GM or want to be a player, but they don't necessarily know how to get into the game. It's yeah. because there's so much to learn, and there's so much to get bogged down in, and there's so many mechanics to memorize that it's just, it's impossible.
0: Personally, it's I think you should start, I think anyone who wants to get into it should start with...
1: Listening to our podcast. On, well, listening
0: to our podcast. Listening to our podcast. One the of first, our friends, like, Five to six I'm... episodes
1: is basically just straight... <laughs> How to play the game from both yes. the DM and player side.
0: Um, I th- This is the fastest shout out to uh, one of our friends that now listens to the podcast. It was and crazy. he came over one night and he asked Robert legitimately, and he goes, Hey, and all of our friends are like hyper aware that we have a podcast because I talk about it a lot and like we mention it a lot, mm-hmm. but only one of our friends can sit, like, listens to it. Everyone else is like, Oh, we'll get around to it. Oh, we'll get around to it. And we're like, Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, i'm only a little bit bitter about that but it's fine uh and he came <laughs> over and he asked robert he was like do you need good like D podcasts uh that i can listen to and robert started giving other recommendations yeah i didn't even mention ours before our podcast and then he tossed it over to me because he was like oh maddie she knows like a lot more about like different mm. podcasts and stuff than Not i do uh, and she'll like uh kind of just tossed it over to me and i was like I looked at Robert and I was like, "Are you being fucking serious right yeah, now?" And I was I don't like,
1: "No, it just it feels weird plugging your own shit."
0: I have no problem. I'm shameless.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're also a lot more experienced with the social media stuff. And yeah. I mean, I, I'm in a world where I have to ask people for a lot of different things, but I, I'm a lot more comfortable asking somebody for hundreds of thousands of dollars than like. <laughs> asking them to go listen to me talk for a couple hours so we can get a couple streams.
0: No, I'm like, I I'm my s- job so is end kind of like the spectrum begging on my hands and knees for people to support my artwork. Um, so this is nothing for me.
1: Yeah, I'm all presentations and fucking budget package numbers and oh, look at this and look how pretty that is. Wouldn't it be cool if you had your name on that? <laughs> if you just gave us a little bit of extra money like very different ways of approaching it. But
0: yeah, you know, um, she
1: did great. Um, all, truly all I helped with was, oh, was mechanics you, and, and figuring out um, okay, so if we give this person this, uh, this item, what does it do? And even in um, other systems that aren't 5V, I mean there's there's a lot to figure out in terms of how an item or a class feature or this or that works. because ideally, the things that you give your players um, augments their experience as opposed to uh, they constantly have to keep track of it or maintain it. Like there are some magical items out there. That in mechanics that are just an absolute fucking pain in the ass to work with because there's a negative to them, or you have to keep track of how many times you've done this or how many times you've done that. And it adds an option to combat or an option to role play, and it's like cool. I would love to just get the thing and not have to press the button every time. Yeah. Um, or it's like, oh, did you forget that you had to maintain concentration? Like shit, like that. Um, and, the,
0: and kids on bikes is goofy, and there wasn't a really. I didn't need to give everyone magical items. I wanted to because um, it's a fun experience. in the Percy Jackson world, if you. Um, uh no a lot of the demigods will have like gifts from their uh godly parent so like annabeth has her little hat that makes her invisible and uh luke rip uh had A pair of shoes that grew wings, and uh, Percy Jackson has uh, a pair of shoes. And so I was like, okay, and it would also be fun for these players because of the way that they built their stats. Mm. I will also say this was another uh, really fun discovery (sighs) uh, from playing this game. So I, I love everyone to death, and I've talked about this before on this podcast. Of I play at a other than me, uh, it is a all male table.
1: At this point, Um, this is a PSA. If you know anybody that is like between the ages of like I don't know, fucking nineteen to twenty three. That is a female, and that plays like a female. That would love to play in another setting or at a table. Please, please <laughs> send them this direction. I love my male friends. They're some of the best friends I have. Please.
0: I am constantly there's. there's I so thought much-
1: everybody at that fucking table was gonna take the same goddamn highest stat. I take,
0: so the way that the kids on bikes is, and I'll get into this more later, is basically Exhausting. you assign a dice for each, uh, for each one of your stats. And uh, you do D20 for your highest stat and then D4 for your lowest stat. So basically, all the characters are min-maxed. Yep. Which is a fun mechanic. And so I'm working with everyone one-on-one, and I'm, like, working them through because they've never played in this system before, and I'm explaining how it works. And I shit you not, every single one of them, with the exception of one of them, chose either fight or uh, grit. Mm Mm-hmm. As they're like, as they're D twenty. Fight is fuck your brains. Fight fuck is charm, your like, fuck your a, all of that
1: ability to fight, um, as opposed to brawn, which is like brute strength, and then grit is like street smarts. Um, so you can imagine why a group of teenage boys, or at least the characters that we were playing, yeah. teenage boys, would all choose one of those two to be really it good was, at. It was
0: it, and it wasn't. It was like all of their stats were basically the same, and I was just like, okay.
1: See, I didn't fault myself too much because I went in with a really specific idea of what kind of character I wanted to play, and then I got there and realized that I needed to be a wholly different character just to assist Madison in with role-playing purposes because I wanted to be, like, cool kid, like, cracks a few jokes, like, blonde hair, blue-eyed, like, the popular guy that everybody wants to be that doesn't sleep, you know? And then I realized very quickly that that just wasn't going to work with the group of people we had because we already had uh, very similar personalities like two of the people I feel like have very similar personalities and have that like cool guy, very few lines of dialogue mm. going to make jokes like hit the gritty, like shit like that. Yeah. So I, I, I chose to, to be a lot more like uppity and high energy and nervous. Yeah. And, and it worked yeah. really
0: well. And I think that's something that um, I've talked before about like feeling conflicted of like when you're playing a, a character that you've built to be kind of selfish or self-centered
1: mm-hmm. and then you get to
0: the table and you quickly realize, okay, um, That's not going to work with this group. Because nobody else is going to take that. Because no one else is going to take the initiative uh, to interact with each other. And maybe that's just because people aren't as comfortable. I don't have as hard of a problem as
1: just leaving, motherfuckers. Like when I when I was like, "Cool, I'm going to just go back and grab my shoes." Yeah, I was like, "I'm just leaving. Y'all can go look at fucking swords." I guess I don't. I don't have interest but, in that. Madison um, has a much harder time leaving people. <laughs>
0: no, I do. And that's why I was like, <laughs> like, uh, in one of our previous campaigns, I was playing a character, Magnolia, who I've talked about before, and she's extremely selfish. Like the s- most selfish. To like, the
1: core. To
0: the core. Just uh, one of the most selfish people. in the, like, Literally in the multiverse. Like canonically, that was true. And there were times yeah. at the table I was like, well, I guess she's going to double All back right. and get someone because no and one else is going to. Everybody that we had met, to. man.
1: And so now I've got
0: to play fucking friendly, even though I don't want to, and there's no reason for my character to. It is just me as a player looking at Robert, and Robert being like, "You got to do something, because I can't rely on anyone else in this moment to get it, like to pick up what I'm putting down." And that's also part of because we uh, understand what the other person is trying to do a lot of the time Mm -hmm. um, from GMN. Uh, I mean, the, the podcast has
1: been a thing. I mean, we also yeah. do a lot of... We I think we talk the most outside of the games about decisions being made on either side of the board. So just oh, yeah. trying to be there as a player or a DM for the other person, I think, is it's a lot kinda easier. It's kind of like a plant,
0: a little bit. Like
1: It is to an extent, because it's like, hey, need I need this session to go really well. I need everyone to stay on point. I know that I'm going to have to wrangle a few if you can just like herd them from the inside. Yeah. Which I would love to have that relationship with all of my players, but um, they come in with their own agenda of things that they would like to do, and that's fine. That's the game we're playing. But when I've spent the last four se- four sessions playing damage control, and I just need to get us back on track, y'all just Sometimes. you got to cooperate. You got to bend the knee. You got to take the L. I would love for you to all be your main characters. We'll get there. I need you to just shut the fuck up and strap in and just watch the storytelling <laughs> unfold and tell me yes or no.
0: It's okay to have a plant at the table. That's that's what I'm saying at the end of this. And but. I would love
1: for all of my players to be plants at the table, but they, they wouldn't all respond the same way that Madison does. Yeah. So
0: I love direction also. Uh, that's an actor thing. Uh, but it was really fun. One of my uh, highlights from the session. So um, Robert... Was playing a character who was unclaimed. He came in. Um, oh, yeah, I knew man. from the beginning that I wanted uh, one person at the table to be a child of Nike, uh, just because I think that that's really fun. That's me. Um, so I was really proud of the the magical item that he got, which was a uh, retro pair of Nike sneakers. Um Shit's that clean, gave man. Gave him like, oh my god, what was it? It was either like a, it was like a plus three a plus, to all uh, failures. I
1: think, it's, yeah, I think it's plus two to all failures, and then all of my adversity dice or adversity are tokens double. are worth double. Yeah,
0: yeah. which is. Crazy, I made everyone beyond broken, and that's gonna come back to bite me in the ass later. I'm sure, I mean, maybe. Um, for sure. When I have players, there's adding... a one
1: shot, though. You got like one more session to get through, and then you'll yeah, prob- we'll probably take a significant break between the next one, you yeah, know. So,
0: I'm not too stressed about it. Um, uh, but that was really, really fun. Um, that was my, my just kind a, of big a
1: thing. question, um, for, for viewers, and also just out of my curiosity. So, you mentioned a highlight, what was a low light of the session? Like, as being a DM, um, what was one thing that you hit oh. and you were like, shit.
0: I'm <laughs> trying to decide how honest I want to be.
1: One thing in particular that um, was more you focused on this player th-
0: focused. This is more me focused. I think that, and I've always said before, the main reason that I don't GM or DM is I've got too many control issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, I think I did a pretty good job, all things considered, for myself. Um, but I think there were times where I definitely felt like <clears throat> a lack of control and just kind of like, okay. <laughs> I guess. I guess it's, that's what we're doing. And it's not even in a way of like, in, in, in something where it's like, no, I want to choose the decisions that you make. It was like, mm-hmm. and I'm going to cite a specific moment because Robert and I have talked about it in length already. Cause we have our debrief sessions after every session that we play. Yep. Um, it, It's basically girl gossip, but it's about dungeons and dragons. Uh, and, there was a part where I was like, "Okay, here's this giant map," and I mean, like, I had paid five dollars on Etsy for someone, uh, for someone's map, and mm-hmm. it was like incredible. It had a list of like, I think. Maybe 15 to 20 locations. And it I was had, huge. It was
1: a lot to look at. Yeah, like, I had, Just from the player perspective, I mean, I was to the point where I was like, cool, I'm going to close my eyes, I'm going to put my finger on the screen, and that's where we're going. Yeah, like, there was just I so had, much like, shit to do.
0: 25 to 30 activities for them to choose from, from what they wanted to do. I had 40 character names written down in Crazy. case uh, anyone wanted to talk. Like, I was, when I say I was prepped, I was prepped to a point where everyone else at the table was like, when I was sitting down there like planning, and they were all like sitting down playing m- fucking magic and some shit, and they were like, "That's you can stop."
1: Yeah, you have way you don't more than need enough to
0: continue. This is good. I think this that's is more than enough. Uh, but there was a moment, and it wasn't even that because I, I enjoyed the prep process and I really liked that. It was when okay, the first disi- the first place they wanted to go was where I had anticipated them going, and I tried not to anticipate that too much, but I just know that Listen, this is a table full of teenage boys at this point. Two
1: of us had an, an, a 20-in fight. So it was know kind of natural for us to want to go the there. Combat
0: arena first, yep. because I know my players and I know the people at the table, and I know that that's what they're going to choose. So I had counted on that. What I didn't count on, however, was for these characters who, after I had like spoken to the players, none of them were martial. Like they had some high fight things, but all of them were high in fight in like a very scrappy way. Mm. Like none of them were martial characters, and they shouldn't be. They're fucking fourteen, um, yep. and this armory. There's an armory there uh, where it's got like swords Ugh. and shields and and I'm like, so Greek glad weapons. that that was the
1: part that I dipped out. Dear Lord.
0: Yeah. And I was like, OK, where do you all want to go next? There's a lake where you can like you can go fucking canoeing. You can go swimming. Um, there's an archery field. There's a climbing wall that like shoots lava at you. It
1: was at this point and... that I said, hey, I got a pair of shoes yeah. waiting for me back at the cabin in You're a like, fancy I'm gonna dip in a fucking swank ass orange shirt that everybody else seems to be in. And I'm all about fitting in. And being the best and looking cool. So, I'm going to go put on those swank shoes and that orange shirt. Y'all yeah. have fun.
0: So, he dipped, and everyone else was like, Armory. And I was like, Okay. The Armory? And this was like the one place where there was not an activity. Like, all, when I mean there were activities, there were like Pegasus stables where if they chose to go there, they could go horseback riding. Like, each activity had locations. So, like had we didn't activi- ride a
1: fucking Pegasus Yeah, problem. like each
0: location had activities where you could do. And that's what I led I with. I was like, shit. Here are some of the activities you can do at these different locations and blah, 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 blah and they all chose they were like armory. And I was like, what the fuck do I do? This isn't a place. And they were like, can we like see which weapons called us? And I'm like, this isn't fucking Harry Potter. I'm sorry.
1: There's but not like, a wand that calls to you.
0: <laughs> but like, this is a world in which yeah, you use these weapons when there is a a legitimate fucking war. And we need to arm you because that mm-hmm. is a thing that can and will happen. You or are going like a on a quest. and We need thing. to give you weapons, or when you're training in the fucking combat arena, right. they aren't like weapons that you can keep. This is them basically like like, I. I so that threw I think for a from list.
1: the player's perspective, I think this is where, as a DM, you have to be careful about what kind of themes and sort of tones you're setting. I don't think it was anything intentional. But the, the whole theme or one of the big themes of the session was, like, finding the thing that was yours, right? So being claimed by your godly parent, um, you know, like, your magical item, your shoes, your glasses, your shirt, your this, your that. And so I think this idea of, like, finding the things that call out to you immediately on day one and then, like, those being your thing, I think some of us, again... I didn't go there, so I'm going to exclude myself from this. Some of us got caught up in the idea of, like, cool, so, like, there's got to be a weapon that calls out to me then, or a this, or a that. Um, And so I think just that theme of finding things and it becoming yours for the rest of time um, was just, like, enticing enough that it's, like, cool – I'm going to go to the armory and see what weapon basically has my fucking name written on it in Greek. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that was one of those moments... Because why where... wouldn't there be that there? Like, that makes yeah. fucking sense.
0: And that was a moment where me as a GM, I-, I was being like, okay, this is what my players want to do. Mm-hmm. And I want to to reward that. And I want to, like, um, encourage that. And I encourage them to do the things they want to do. However, this is the one fucking spot on the map... That I there, have nothing th- for. there's nothing to do. And it is simply because there's fucking nothing to do. It is a shed. It's a shed with weapons in it. So, and I was like, as someone that's
1: DM previously, I think Uh, this is where if I were in your shoes and I had nothing prepared, I think I would have said something along the lines of it's down for repair. Or mm -hmm. I would have name dropped a character and been like, so-and-so got into a fight. It got carried on over there. It's down for repairs. TLDR, don't go there. Um, And then I would have directed them somewhere else. Or I would have had them run into somebody or something on the way to the armory that would have fully just sidetracked them and been like, hey, let's go do this right now. Like me and you right now. Um yeah. and just completely ignore the fact that they wanted to go there. Yeah. So I think you don't always have to beat them over the head with a switch, but sometimes you just gotta be like, hey man, respectfully, I don't have anything for you. So here's the world's largest fish hook that I'm gonna shove you on, whether you wanna put it in your mouth or not, and then I'm just gonna yank you left. And
0: it definitely felt like I was doing that at points. Yeah, um, no, there were for there were
1: for sure times. And that, that was that another that was thing
0: as a GMO where I was trying to figure out and like and be like, Am I shoving something down someone's throat? To a point where I'm like, like this is an okay thing for me to do because they're not picking it up, or is this a point where I? But what's
1: what's crazy though? What's crazy is that those hooks were so beyond fucking visible, and then not a single one of them, except with the exception of a few, a handful of times, knew that they were hooks. They were just like, damn, that's a cool thing. I guess let me do it again.
0: Yeah. Let me do it it again. Like, oh, I can do this
1: one thing. Let me do it again.
0: Like, Like, they were trying to get claimed by their godly parent. And I was like, huh, it seems like you have a natural affinity for this. Or like, this (sighs) is going your way. And they were like, huh, that's neat. Next. And I'm like,
1: yeah, they were like, that's so cool. I'm going to go to the next thing.
0: You don't want to explore that? Like, the whole. And I think it would be different if the goal of the session was not to get everyone claimed by their godly parent. Yeah. Because that was a point where I'm like, cool, I can't make you ignore this because we only have three hours Mm -hmm. and that's it. So you have to do this, actually. Um, And it was just kind of that, like, balancing control and, like, letting play. And also, like, manufacturing. And this is going to sound kind of fucked up, but... uh, Making your players think they have more control than they do.
1: Oh, 100%. I mean, I think that's. Trying to find
0: that balance of like tricking people into thinking things are their idea.
1: I think that's a a huge um, skill that comes with doing it over time. Um, And why I I would advise anybody that's done it for the first time and is like, damn, I wish I could have had them do this or I really wanted them to do that. Like, it's a game that you set out several hours for multiple times in a month if you're lucky to play because it takes a long time. Yeah. Um, and you'll very quickly realize that uh, you put people in a world where they can do anything they want to at the pace they want to do it and the way that they want to do it. They are not going to do what you want them to do unless you are particularly good at, at hooking people and sending them to the places and the things that you want them to do without doing it overtly. And even then sometimes it doesn't work Yeah. Um, because it's a it's a creative system. People are well aware that it's a creative system. And so it's not as simple as saying, hey, here's a really big golden key and there's a really big golden door. There are some guards over there, so you should figure out how to get the guards away and then open the door. Like, you're three sessions deep, and they're like trying to become politicians to get to the room behind the door.
0: And it's like, okay.
1: And they've had a key for like basically 24, 48 hours in real, like in in game time. And it's like, you really could have just. Been like, hey guys, what's that? And rolled like a DC fifteen charisma check and then opened the door. Yeah. But instead we're we're choosing to like rule the town, to get control of the building, to then yeah. rehire new guards that are on it's... our payroll to then open the door. Like it's yeah. just kind of one of those things when you set people loose in a world where they can do whatever they want and however they want to, that's exactly what they're gonna do. Yeah. And it just takes time to get better at not letting them do that. Yeah. Or to let them do it in the ways that you want them to.
0: Oh yeah, uh, but yeah. So that was that's kind of my soapbox and my big thing. Um, but overall, I think it went really well. And who knows? Maybe I'll even uh, GM a one shot this uh, season. We'll see. Whoa. Uh, Exciting stuff. Still the player though. This is this still is a player. fun little vacation for me. I what's funny I enough is
1: for those that haven't listened for a while, um, I started as a player and then have sort of become a forever DM. Um, I really, really, really enjoy doing both. Um, I just don't always fall naturally into both. Um, I I enjoy being a player, but it's almost frustrating sometimes just because I'm so used to having that. Not level of control, but uh, the sort of difference in agency you have as a player versus a DM is is very different. Oh, yeah. having made the mechanics for a world and having like having set all of the boundaries and the limits for a thing and then having to be on the other side of that and go yeah. internally i really want to look at the dm and go that doesn't make any fucking sense and you know that was an ass pull Um, But I can't do that because that's disrespectful to you as a player and as a DM. So I'm just gonna accept that I can't do this thing. Yeah, it's just it's difficult, especially whenever like your the the pod that you play in, um, everyone's a very different DM. So it's some people are more lenient rule of cool. Other people are like, this is what I've set. That's how we're gonna do it. Uh, And so to be a player and somebody is a different style and you don't agree with the decision (laughs) or like a world building piece. It's just like I roll and keep going. So oh, I know
0: down the line I'm gonna be a problem for sure because I'm very loose with I very loose with my, my GMing style and very like, yeah, that sounds cool. Sure, let's do it. Fuck it. Um mm. like very very loose and very malleable as opposed to like actually paying it t- i'm i'm not mechanic focused and i'm sure that that's going to be fucking infuriating for some of the people that we play with who love the mechanics and who love the rules yeah. and don't get me wrong i do too but when i'm in control i like to ignore those because it's easier for me mm-hmm. um, and it
1: just comes to like what's your what's you're more versed in right like i don't do a whole whole lot of role playing myself because it's not it's not what i'm most vested in it's not mm-hmm. where my sort of Uh, Forte is in terms of all of the skills you have to have as as being a DM, but the mechanic side of things and and the DC and the the plot twist and the really hard mechanics and fun story points like that is what I, I consider myself pretty good at, so.
0: Hey, this shit sucks. Do you have something you want to send in to make it better? Criticisms, topics you'd like to see discussed, or an advertisement you'd like to run? Maybe you even want to sponsor an episode.
1: If so, shoot us a message at mc460 at edu or DM us on Instagram at crescent magazine, Or we'll never get better like these fucking guys. Usually it's a lot of players talking amongst themselves and interacting with maybe two to three NPCs in a session. And then figuring out plot things or, or you know, like playing combat and getting really involved in the mechanics or... Like, that's just more my stuff. Yeah. So... Um, it's nice to see sort of two different styles. But speaking of, of my style, I think it's a good way to segue into say, session
0: the session that I had, segue.
1: which is way different.
0: Fucking um, nuts.
1: So I am, I have been a DM now for, I think, two years, maybe going on three. I've lost track. Um, and I've been DMing for the same group of people for a while. That transition, once we came back from studying abroad, I now DM for about five people, four of which uh, I've known for, or three of which I've known for a really long time. Yeah. Um, And then the other two I met in the last two years. But we just started playing a superhero campaign, not that long. And in one of the previous episodes, I talk about just how off the rails it got um, in terms of story... Like it just, uh, we were on track. I had we I just had took hooks, some crazy turns. I had I had players in the right places. I had NPCs. I had plot lines, and then a particular player, and kind of on my behalf as well as a DM, I let things get a little bit too crazy, and I let a certain player make a lot of really insane decisions. And we wound up basically in Flashpoint, which for those that don't know a lot about it, comics, um, sort of uh, an offshoot of the main DC timeline is called Flashpoint. It's basically where if the Flash goes back and saves his mom, um, and she dies. It's a canonical event to his story. And by saving his mom, he never becomes the Flash. And then a whole bunch of crazy fucked up things happen. Uh, Batman goes dark. Uh, his fucking wife is is the Joker. His son, like, it's it just goes crazy. It's not Bruce Wayne that becomes the fucking Batman. It's Thomas Wayne. Bruce is the one that got shot in the alley. Also, Batman kills motherfuckers. Aquaman is a terrorist. Um, <laughs> Like, it just goes off it's the crazy. rails. Superman's locked up in a fucking prison because he's an alien. Like, it ends with fucking, uh, it's not Dr. Manhattan, but somebody else that's kind of on that, that level, basically blows himself up and eviscerates the whole world yeah so then flash then ends up having to run back in time stops himself from saving his mom and then the whole thing gets reset but the the universe is kind of very similar in the way that uh i decided that i wanted to play one last session set in the what if flashpoint version where i just let that player's bad decisions lead to bad consequences
0: it was it was one of the most fun sessions i've ever played however comma and it was like one where I was like, I wish we had recorded that because we've talked about recording some of our sessions. And I was like, because that was like it like it felt like it was one of those where it, like it felt like a perfect session. Mm-hmm. However, I know that it was one of those things where it was like this me this will mean nothing to anyone else in the world. But goddamn, it was it was brutal. And it was like not as brutal as I thought it was going to be or it could have been. And it definitely could. And, and talking to Robert, he was like, yeah, I could have gone down that like really dark path. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, but it was
1: pretty dark to oh, begin with. it was with. very dark. Um, but it, it was an interesting experience as a DM because I've done one-shots before, but never in like the primary universe with the primary characters that I was playing. And this was just kind of a way to like reset uh, the timeline because essentially the way that we left off was the last session we had before we went to break. I talked to the player who made the decisions and I was like, hey, listen, I think everybody is at a position where... We all really just want to get back we to lost the way. The plot. yeah, we lost the plot. Things have gotten really serious and really dark really quick. The stakes are really high for level five and level seven characters. Like yeah. we are at like basically DC fucking, or yeah, like like difficulty rating 20 to 25 level stuff. Like we are end of times. Um, and you all have just barely cracked like teen Titan level power. Like, not even that. They are infinitely more competent than you all are as a team because you haven't had the time to become a team yet. Yeah. Um. And we now have to go basically fight Superman and, and the fucking government. Like, it just got insane. So yeah. um. I was trying to find a way to creatively... Yeah. Uh, like Doctor Strange, Spider-Man No Way Home, like just fucking whoop, just flip it all back. So loud. um, And just say, everybody forgot about what happened, so that way we could keep some of the story points and the plot points that we liked the most uh, while getting rid of all of the bad. Yeah. There
0: was a lot of doxing. It was crazy. uh, There was a
1: lot of doxing, but I didn't want to just do it in a one day you all wake up and forgot everything that happened. Merry Christmas, we're back on the road. Um, Yeah. I wanted to do it in a more creative way, and so I had spoken with my fiancé, who's an English major. She loves writing. She's she's read a lot of fantasy stuff, and we started talking about a time jump, um, and then going forward from there. But then there were still some issues that people had with characters, because they were like, I don't want to play this version of the character, or I don't necessarily know if that person would want to continue being a hero. And it wasn't just one person. There were several people that were thinking this, like, I don't know why my character would continue being a hero in this really shitty universe if we're just going to do a two-year time jump. Like, nothing good has come of this person being in a superhero career. So, like, why would I continue to do that? Um, So I wanted to give people the chance to play that same character while also getting to explore the natural end, because I'm a huge consequences for your actions DM. It's one of my favorite things to do. It's like every action has a equal and opposite reaction. Every like there were always consequences to your actions and I let that get away from myself and a particular character. Uh, I kept setting consequences and I kept setting higher consequences and bigger consequences to be like please stop doing this and he just like stepped on the gas and said, "You know what? Now nah, fuck that. I'm going to do it as many times as I can to see how long it takes to to get to a reset." Um so <laughs> <There's> I the d- <laughs> moment at
0: the table and Robert, like, had messaged all of us. He was like, everyone, uh, level your characters up to 15. And we didn't really know, like, quite. I, like, I kind of knew what was happening, but, like, didn't know exactly what was happening. Because I yeah. did like, talked to Robert and everything. And we had very long conversations about my character in particular. And, and I had uh, told people
1: to expect a reset. I was yeah. like, and level so up to 15. And last I heard there was a
0: reset. And then we get a text message saying, level up to 15. I had just gotten in the previous session to level 5 yep. from level 3. So we so had, we had we a 10-level like, jump. So we were like, cool. This is... Crazy. And at one point at the table while we're playing the session, the character who had made some decisions uh looks to all of us and he went, Hey guys, I speed Red us to level fifteen, you know? Yeah, it was just so a crazy a bonus thing to say. There, and that was unhinged.
1: Yeah, but it was basically my, my approach to the session was everything at this point that could go wrong has gone wrong. Well, how does that play itself out in the next two to three years? So I did a three-year time jump, and leveled everybody up from wherever they were to fifteen. Um, and then basically sat down with each of them and said, okay, what happens between um, basically the end of last session to the beginning of this next one where there's a three-year jump? I also gave them a setting. I said, okay, so here's what's happened. Uh, Martial law has been instituted in this particular city. Uh, The bots that are basically like fucking Sentinels from X-Men, they essentially are are made to adapt to any kind of deviation uh, and any power. They have been publicly announced on live television that they are real, they exist. Um, so those have now been implemented because there's no reason to keep them behind the scenes if, if the public just knows they exist. Our number one hero, basically stand-in Superwoman, has just gone missing, um, has not been seen since the last big battle that she almost died in, who is, in theory, the only person that could fix this situation. Uh, and things are just bad, like heroes are being executed Deviants in general are being executed.
0: The equivalent of like Superman in the Justice like kills the rest of the Justice League on live television.
1: Yeah, like it was. Oh yeah, the the equivalent of fucking Superman in the Justice League basically goes and then. Well, I guess the appropriate thing would be more Captain America because that's kind of what his character is. Like Captain America proceeds to basically one off Hulk and everybody else on live television, Um, and so then society just goes, "Cool. Well, we can't do anything about that." Like, we have these murder bots that are able to adapt to any kind of power. We have rogue Captain America who's basically executing anybody that the government tells him to execute. Martial laws, like, is implemented. Heroes aren't allowed to be heroes. Villains are being prosecuted. Like, it's just, it's all bad.
0: It's He goes, all right, where's your character
1: Yeah, and I say, cool. So during that three-year period where everything is going south, what is your character doing? And they all took really different directions, uh, which is really cool. We had one person that basically said, "I'm no longer a hero. I'm helping with like essentially the underground and moving people from place to place." Yeah. Uh, we had another person that like attempted to be a hero for a while, and then some limbs get removed uh, oh, by another character, and now they're being a wholly different hero, and everyone thinks they're dead. We had somebody else that was like, "Cool, I'm a terrorist now. Uh, <laughs> just I like am. Fully. I am responding in kind to what the government is now doing. Like they kill one of us." I kill one of them. They execute one of us. I execute one of them.
0: I may be eating the bodies yeah, a little bit. I'm
1: draining their 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 bodies of, of energy on live television. I'm sending a very public message that says, fuck with us, we fuck with you back. Uh, and nobody appreciated that because all it did was escalate like yeah. the tension. Um, and then one of our, our last character, basically, or I guess we had two more characters. Yeah. Another character who was kind of the person who started the problem, decided he wanted to go on a redemption arc, teams up with a villain, uh, a villain that is very well known to the team at this point who basically kicked off the sessions, kicked off our first half of the campaign, and works with her hand in hand to basically create a device that's going to fix everything. And then our last hero uh, oh, gets taken. People. He's a he's sort of a robot, uh, one of these murder bots that has gone rogue um, and got sort of hooked up with the team and just started becoming a real boy, like Pinocchio style, learning how to be a person, whole thing. And then all of a sudden they figure out how to basically bring him back and fix his code and he becomes like the flagship, the number one for this bot, yeah. like army. Um, and so he's basically been the face of all of this really heinous execution, yeah. rounding up deviance type stuff. And it was really sad for his character because at some point in the session we made the connection that he was the one that caused the disarmament of his previous teammate, um, and also thought that she was dead the whole time. Like, yeah. everybody thought she was I, dead, and he was the reason for that. that.
0: I think one of my favorite decisions that I ended up making was faking... Uh, my character was the one that got her arms ripped off, uh, by the way. Um, yep. I think one of my favorite decisions I ended up making was faking her death. I didn't realize how much of a, like,
1: impact she had.
0: That was going to be, and that was a really cool thing to see, because mm-hmm. um, I think one of the things we also struggled with kind of as, like, a table, um, or at least in, in Robert and I's eyes, was cohesion. Uh, we didn't feel like a team. Yeah. Um, it, it just didn't feel like we had a lot of investment in each other. Like we were around each other, but we weren't like interacting that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to flash forward into this world where it's like, cool team fucking disbanded. We haven't seen each other yeah. for three years and we all joined up for the first time. And even though we were split up for most of that like session, because we had to be, because we were like attacking different parts of the city at once. Um, but it felt like for the first time that we were fighting as a unit, yeah, uh, And like as he like j- like it was strategizing a and
1: figuring out where people were going uh, and whose powers were best suited for what task.
0: Yeah. And it was it was a really cool like team building in a way like through like yeah. trauma bonding of like we're going to play out the possible worst things that could happen to these characters. Mm-hmm. And people, everybody cried at least once. People cried. I cried. Uh, like I didn't I, expect to, but yeah, uh, everyone cried, and the cri- the tears came so much earlier than I expected, and mm-hmm. it came from places I didn't expect. It was investment in each other's characters and finding out what happened to other people. Yeah, they got people misty eyed first, which was crazy to me, because it's like you're just hearing about what's happening to someone else mm-hmm. during this time jump, and we all know that this I- that this is going to be reset. And we know that this isn't the end, but like it still felt that like scary and that real.
1: Yeah, the consequences, like. And th- I prefaced the session going into it. And I said, hey, guys, I want you all to be prepared and to know this going into it, because this session is going to be painful. Um, this is going to be reset. I don't care how I have to do it by the end of this session. None of the actions you make today are going to matter in the long run, except for your performance at the table and how you would like to see your characters sort of send themselves off in this one-off scenario. Um, and I think that's kind of why I didn't really expect people to get as invested as they did, because... Yeah. The consequences were very much like we knew that everything was going to get reset. And I I think it almost kind of had this like, it doesn't really matter what you do feel to it, but people still got very invested right away. Um, And I think part of that was, at least in my world building and my setting up of it, I didn't want to treat it like it was going to be just a one-off. I wanted people to play like, this is the world that you are leaving. Um, like This is essentially your send-off. Like, What does your character do in the final moments? Of of this universe, like, are you just gonna lay down and and hide in a bunker somewhere and like hope things go right, yeah. or are you gonna like really stand up and be a hero and sort of embody that that whole theme and messaging of the campaign? And that's exactly what everybody did. Everybody got invested from the very beginning. Everyone was really into what had been going on in the other characters' lives. Um, the the character Madison's character sort of really served as a catalyst for bringing everybody back together because when we were talking. Um, Madison's character previous to all of this was like this up and coming really colorful really bright really like what it means to be a hero kind of hero and then everything kind of ends very abruptly for her and then of course with like Superwoman basically going M.I.A. right around the same time it's Mm -hmm. like cool who do we look to? Um, Like our number one two three and four are basically all gone like Captain America has gone rogue Uh, our number two guy disappeared in the last big fight Superwoman basically self-exiled herself so we're gonna look to the only other person that's like up and coming who's this like really bright, shining character who continues to operate in the dark days. and then she fucking dies. Yeah, and she dies in like in the public's eyes, she dies in a really terrible, fucked up way. So the it's like, there's and... no it's way brutalized. we can recover from this as a society. Like it is yeah. just all bad. And I think um having that background and having that story really brought everybody together because everyone got super into the role play aspect of it and be like, holy shit, you're alive. Yeah, and that means so much. like even to these characters, that hadn't really spent a lot of time together. Everyone, I think, felt responsible for the events that happened in the session before last, and so I think that paired with just the seriousness and the sadness of it, it was like, no, we're, we like we're not responsible for her dying, but in this weird way, because we disbanded and we made all these decisions and we let these things happen, we are. Yeah. And so this is an opportunity for us to come together as a team, like in the end days, and really try and make something count. And that's 100% when everyone did. Uh, And I think that's why it was as good of a session as it was.
0: And it was the the moment that Uh, My character basically ended up working with the superwoman and is like trying to put together one last like a fight against this uh, organization. And as I'm like sending out this message and I'm like doing a little speech or something that was like really bad because it was fucking nine in the morning and I was tired. It was
1: all very improv y off the cuff.
0: Um, And I've, was it you or someone at the table was like, are you like wearing, like, are you in front of the camera? You take your mask off. Yeah, basically being like, did you take your mask off? And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about the fact of like, yeah, I've been operating these past several years as like a, a hero is a different, character. Is a different yeah. character so she dies goes um, ground,
1: basically stops putting on the the main character costume and then puts on another one which is just relevant for the moment she's she's yeah. talking about um
0: and so i was like oh <coughs> well i guess that makes sense for me to like be kind of like as a final fuck you of like right. actually you can't stop me bitch you never really killed um, me
1: motherfucker and, like, i
0: thought that that was just gonna be like a fun texture point and mm-hmm. then that was like one of the points that like kicked off and yeah. um
1: yeah, that was kind of how we like began yeah. the session was sending out that call to like the rest of the city's deviants. Not even just heroes. It was like anybody that still wants to fight, power or I guess deviation. No deviation. Powers. No powers. Like it doesn't matter. A hero. A villain. Everybody is welcome at the table. Uh, yeah. Which is what everyone said right up until our terrorist player showed up, and then everyone <laughs> stood up really quick and put guns at him. Um, And then, like, what
0: did I do? Yeah, he was like, "Whoa, guys, what's going on?"
1: And everyone's like, "You literally have been a like, you've been a terrorist, (laughs) like you've been torturing people on live television." I don't. What do you mean? Why am I pointing a gun at you, man? Like, you eat people now? And he was like, "No, I eat the bad guys," which worked. Um, he rolled high enough on his check, which worked. But yeah, uh, it was it was an incredible session. I was I was telling everybody, I think I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to top it. Uh, I'm sure I will just because we'll actually have time to world build and hopefully when that final session comes uh, on the regular timeline when things are not time-jumped, it'll mean just as much when we get there and I'm hoping to have another session similar to that, but... Yeah, I was really impressed with everyone's role play, just because. Oh, it
0: was insane, especially everyone you really. Expect in a world where you know your your actions don't have consequences, because mm-hmm. that's what this world was. Yeah. People were more invested. Yep, and in this in, one
1: than they were in previous sessions, where like consequences. Of their consequences. Yeah, where actions had real consequences, and consequences had real actions. It was it which was is, interesting. Which is nuts. It was weird for sure. It was a weird feeling to see everybody invested in like this one-off. Fuck you! We're never yeah. playing it again.
0: Which was crazy, and it was so cool. Also, seeing because uh, one of the things that I, going back to kids on bikes, uh, because it is not a combat-oriented system, a lot of mm-hmm. the times that you're like in a like a uh, uh, conflict situation, you're using other means to solve it as well. So you're using your words and stuff, and I think that this. Very easily with us being like level fifteen characters for the first time and getting to be like cool, I now have a power called black hole where I can yep. make a fucking black hole. I
1: can throw black holes at people.
0: Um, like you, you would think that you would have an inclination to basically just pull out the fucking our level yeah. nine shit and our equivalent of like level nine spells and just yep. use those. But there were people who were like dealing with with conflict and combat Mm -hmm. situations in non combative ways. Yeah. Which surprised me and was really interesting. And I thought that that also really helped with like the compellingness of like Mm -hmm. a lot of this, like the nature of like, yeah, I'm going to cause problems and like try and solve these situations without like just throwing hands immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was really cool.
1: Very contradictory to the way that like previous sessions have been played. Um, and it's interesting. I don't know if it's a system. I'll continue. I think I still want to introduce formal combat and things like that. But sort of the way that I played it was I said, listen, guys, you know me. I like combat. I like doing the like combat on session and the combat off session and kind of rotating between just because I think it, it's a good balance to give people that are more into role play, role plan, people that are more into hitting things, hitting things. Yeah. Um. But the one thing that um, like Kids on Bikes, Kids on Brooms offers is combat that still f- has a pretty big focus on narrative so it's it's like you're you're rolling a post scores, it's like fight against Brawn or flight against Brain or shit like that. Um, and I wanted to I wanted to operate the session similar. So I said, listen, we don't have time for combat. If we did, the session would probably take twice as long. Yeah. Um there's just no way you all are dealing with fifteenth level stuff and we have four hours. Yeah. Like that's it. People gotta go to work. Um so I basically I didn't really institute like a formal initiative order. I didn't really do combat and Part of it, too, was the stakes and the levels that these people were playing at to do combat would just be unfair. Yeah. Um, and that's because basically the way that I had done it was I rolled two D10s and I said, listen, whatever this number comes out to be, that's how many of these murder bots are there. They're Atlas bots. That's how many Atlas bots are present in the city. And Atlas bots are, if you've been listening to the episode and you haven't put this together, Atlas bots are basically the one thing that like can take down basically anybody. Our Superwoman character fought one of them at the end of the session before this and almost lost. Yeah, which was was insane. I didn't even think that was going to happen. I spent hours building this character and I was like, no way she's going to even get touched in this fight. And then she came away with like a quarter of her health. Yeah. Um. So you're basically fighting potentially hundreds of these twenty-five level fucking bots. I rolled. There were like forty-five of them in in the city. Um, and so to do combat in that way would have felt like an extra layer of cruel because it's, if we actually do combat and you actually have to deal with the stats and the abilities that these things have, you're going to lose before you even get a turn. Yeah. Um, Because the level of damage that these things can put out and the level of health that they have, even if I take base and don't roll for them, it's just going to be fucking unfair.
0: And there's a level of, like, cruelty of, like, cool, you die before you can even get to the battlefield. hmm That's rough. And I
1: mentioned ahead of time, I was like, some of you might not even make it to the final plan. Yeah. Like, y- you might get it, it through strategy, really real. and you could die on the way there. Like, if you... Failure stealth check. Cool. One of those bots picks up your location. Yeah. You are now in a situation where several of them are on their way to you. And that you was run the risk of them happened. showing up to your strategy.
0: At our like strategy meeting, which was already like a risky move that the mm. characters were making. Putting them all in the same place. Um, it, yeah. We were rushing against the clock because one of the the bots knew where we were and was actively coming. So it was like, cool, we have a finite amount of time to talk about yep. this and get everyone out because at least one character knew that people were on their way, and I didn't share that information with anyone mm-hmm. at the table. Um,
1: well, because it's like if we tell every if we tell this group of like forty five people that fucking murder bot number one is on their way here, no one's gonna stay. Yeah, no one's gonna be interested in talking. No one's gonna put it together because it's very much about self preservation mode at this point. It's like how many of us are gonna walk away from this room alive? Um, and it basically, just our main characters; those are the only people that lived. Yeah, everybody else died.
0: Holy shit.
1: Everybody in that room, with the exception of the the main characters, died. Not a single other person yeah, walked away. Yeah. I mean, I guess Prodigal was there. She was the crazy chick she, that was working with... She uh, fucking lived. Yeah, she lived. Just barely.
0: Um, she had and advantage then there on were like, saving There cars. were like a few... NP- Parker made it. Uh, One of the NPCs. Um,
1: I think Parker and Prodigal were the only two non-player Parker characters that walked away from that alive. Yeah. Smyther died. Boulder died. Lolly died. Ka. Jerry lived, but... Um, he wasn't there. He wasn't the present. End. Yeah. yeah. Uh the gang and the cops died, Commander Sloan died, Recky died. Um Codfather wasn't there, but he also died. Yeah. It was rough, man.
0: It was bad. It was I didn't and expect- it was also a return of every NPC that we'd ever met. Was, and this meeting was kind of me just being like, I wanna touch base with the other players to figure out what we're doing so we're not all attacking mm-hmm. something at once. Um and it was that was another like very painful moment of like cool you're standing in the even some people that like
1: hadn't met too there were some people that i introduced for the first time in this session to just kind of be like i mean realistically these few people in my source book they're they're surviving yeah i guess rexford lived (laughs) yeah i guess non-batman bruce wayne lived
0: oh he was such an interesting character (laughs) yeah Yeah,
1: yeah he was um but yeah, it was one of the comments that Madison made after the fact was that it felt like a funeral home because it was yeah. like she was the person that was like, "Hey guys, uh, here's a picture of Superwoman. She's alive in the background. She can't talk right now. Also, I've been dead for three years." Like, no, I'm not. You all should come and meet up at this very <laughs> specific place that everyone knows about and that a lot of people died in, and we should have a strategy meeting. Yeah. And then basically, it proceeded to stand at the front of the room and like wait for people to walk in. So then she had to, like, greet them and shake their hand. It was... And this is her first time meeting a few of them. This is also the first time meeting several people that thought she's been dead for three years and had a really vested interest in her being, like, alive.
0: It was one of the most painful and that was one of the moments where i was like i feel bad because i feel like i'm taking up a chunk of time as a player Mm -hmm. but seeing everyone at the table be equally as invested yeah everyone was like waiting to
1: see the reactions to npcs that walked in
0: it was crazy and it was one of the most brutal like even just from an acting standpoint one of the most brutal things the good there was a moment where i had told robert the night before so my character um has this best friend named parker And it is, uh, he's her everything. Uh, They're inseparable, blah, 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 blah. Um, And I've mentioned him before on this podcast of like making a joke of like, if it's Parker versus the city, she's choosing Parker. Mm -hmm. And I told Robert the night before. And and then
1: she didn't. And then
0: I didn't. And it was one of the hardest decisions (laughs) I ever made. And, and then she did not. And there was a moment where I was like, you have to let me say goodbye to this character. Yeah. Uh, and the moment that he walked through that, that goodbye between mm-hmm. Parker and Daisy was one of the most painful moments I've ever had at the table. It sucked. Just, it was, that was... It's
1: like the, you're so that you're so nervous and you're so choked up in the moment. And it's like, none of this is real, but also at the same time, I have to potentially tell my best friend who... By the way, previous to this, Parker thought, along with everybody else, that she was dead for three years. Like, has already mourned her passing, found out she was a superhero. That's a whiplash. We don't even get to know how he deals with that. And then finds out, actually, no, it's my best friend, and now she's dead.
0: Yeah, it was... Like, I
1: found out that my best friend was a superhero in the same breath that I find out that she's dead and I'm never going to see her again. And then three years later, I see her face on a television he balls and then he shows up and he's like hey, I'm ready to join the fight? Also, we have to talk before we leave yeah. cuz like what the fuck?
0: It was that was painful and that was a moment where I was also like really deeply affected as a person seeing other people be affected at the table cuz they were like like it was misty eyed for everyone. Yeah,
1: everybody was um, really invested seeing like some of the conversations that happened yeah. between characters 100%. And it
0: was just it was brutal. Mm-hmm. God, it was brutal.
1: It was rough, ma'am. It was a hard session for sure, but I think um I think uh, I played it as well as I could. I told everybody it was going to be dark, but the more that we started playing, I was like, man, I really want to give these guys a chance. I don't want it to be one of these things where, yes, realistically, these level 15 characters are going to get fucking wiped because the level 25 character that I built based off Superwoman... Almost lost a 1v1 with one of these things. There's no fucking way that these people walk away alive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But I was like, you know what? Give me some rolls. Tell me what power you want to use. We're not going to do combat. Just tell me what thing on your list of fun bags or fun tricks in your bag you have. And give me a roll and tell me what that dice number is. And I'll tell you if you live that encounter. And we just, there was one particular encounter where it was basically we had two different teams that ended up splitting off. We had distraction team and infiltration team. So there was what's crazy was this whole thing was basically on a gamble. Um, There was this idea or this piece of information that was discovered really early on in the campaign that, yes, these robots, they have a switch. It's basically a manual override. We don't know who holds that switch. We don't even know where that switch is. But we have a pretty good guess. Um, Also, we now have a bomb that sets off (laughs) all electronics, but it's also a hydrogen bomb combined. So it's not only obliterating everything within a certain radius... It's also frying all technology permanently. So the best bet at this point is to try and get that bomb as close to wherever the command center is for these bots and just hope that they drop when it goes off. Yeah. So we're going to set up two different teams. We're going to set up team one, which is going to go to the other end of town and basically set off a distraction to try and draw as many of those bots to them as humanly possible. And then team B, team two, is going to go to the building where we think, fingers fucking crossed, this command center is. Um, because it's the most heavily fortified place in the city and it doesn't make sense for it to be anywhere else. Uh, and so Distraction Team goes, basically starts kicking up a bunch of shit. One person loses control of their character, who's kind of like, venomed out, oh. starts destroying buildings, throwing
0: <laughs> like, throwing <fucking> cars,
1: <laughs> almost I ends up killing situation. some of our NPCs, like, is going nuts. A storm kicks off in the same place. Uh, And every single bot, I rolled for it. I got a number higher than the amount of bots that we had in the city. All 44 remaining bots that were, or 40 remaining bots that were on standby all go to that end of the city. Like, all of them, and we had, what? We had two player characters there, one NPC that didn't have powers.
0: (laughs) He was um, there for
1: the vibes. Another NPC that also didn't have powers, but I guess knew how to use a gun, a guy that could teleport, and a couple of gang members and a couple of cops dressed up in superhero costumes of superheroes that had, that had died. Oh, yeah. So that way they would draw more attention. And then a fucking fish that could fly and generate water. Um, And that was it. And it was like, cool. So it's this ragtag group <laughs> of people, two of which have worked together. The rest of them would never be caught in the same room together. Uh, basically fighting an army of robots that are specifically designed to kill people significantly stronger than all of them put together. Yeah. Like, I think if I had actually done combat, I think they could have taken out maybe two. Yeah. Like, two at max. Like, if I had played really smart the way that I've designed these bots to be, that that fucking combat would have been over within a a turn.
0: Oh, for sure. Within a
1: turn. Like, it just wouldn't have happened that way.
0: The play... Distraction team, and this is kind of fucked up to say when, like, looking back at the way we designed the plan, distraction team was not the most martially capable. We were not expecting every bot yeah. in the city to roll out there. Distraction we team was like, like, I hope
1: you guys live long enough for infiltration team to make their way into the fucking building. And, and that was
0: the goal, pretty much. It pra- was like, and
1: just hope that people live.
0: It was like, cool, distract, not fight, distract. Yeah, it, was,
1: it was also very much like everyone that signed up was, was very much. Cool. This is so. This is the suicide team. Like, this is we go there. We
0: hope
1: that that you all can set the bomb off and the bomb works the way it's supposed to, which it didn't. I've seen the new suicide
0: squad. It's team A (laughs) when they the one with like fucking Pete Davidson and uh, oh,
1: yeah, they all storm the beach and and they're like, bail us the fuck out. And Amanda Waller's like, nope, this is where you're supposed to be. And then they all die. And then yeah. there's actually and Team then, B on another beach yeah. that's, like, crawling in to the country. That's,
0: that's exactly what that was. Yep. And it was, like, a deeply fucked up plan, but it was, like, listen, and we so got to so do what plan we, we got to
1: do. So then we're going to send Superwoman and, like, three other people, maybe four max, to go into the building and just hope that they can get to the top. Yeah. So, but what I was talking about, how long one of these interactions on uh, went on. So at the very end of the session, it was just distraction team left. And they, again, had 44 bots. And I'm like, if I play this realistically, you all die within minutes. Um, and, again, not a single NPC with the exception of Parker because one of our one of our player characters threw him a pretty far ways away. Uh, every one of them died. Like, they get pulled yeah. apart, they get beaten, they get shot. Like, it's, it's brutal. Uh, but our player characters, every DC, by the way, <laughs> every DC with the exception of a few that I set at 15, there was not a single difficulty that I had set for this table on this session that was not less than 20. Um, And so I was like, you know what? This is how I allow people to win. Mm. If people can roll 20 or above and they continue to use their abilities then maybe I will let them get out of this alive. And they did. I don't know how they fucking did it but they did. One character took out 15 bots by himself. Another character took out I think 10 or 20 or I think it was 10. Um, Our flying fish man, Codfather, ends up killing 5 by himself. That was I think the one moment that I cried at the table was him going out. Um, not even an NPC I was deeply attached to, but I was like, in that moment, I said some really sad shit on his way out, and everyone was like, "What the fuck?" And then yeah. he dies. Um, yeah. So it was it, it was rough, but somehow our, our player characters and distraction team made it, and yeah. our player characters, all but one, uh, and infiltration team make it out alive as well. Uh, there was a really cool moment at the end of infiltration team's run where one of the characters is like, "Cool, you press start on the bomb, and then I TPS out," and I was like, "Hey guys." This isn't really something that's been discussed, but like you have to be, one of these characters has to be present for this bomb to go off. And it can't be the one that can teleport. So you got one option, and that's to basically make sure that the main guy lives long enough for the bomb to go off and then the other guy TPs out before the bomb goes off. Yeah. If that's how this works. Uh, and one of them kind of came in clutch with an ability. Uh, speaking of what that particular player was super rule lawyery that whole time.
0: Oh my, he saved Madison's
1: ass several times. He was like every combat, mechanic.
0: The only formal combat we had was between two different uh, two different PCs, and it was yep. the, uh, the 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 bot and then my character, and it was like it was brutal. It was a it was a yeah. intense fight because there was
1: one chance for this for this um, for the bot to be basically brought back into the fold. So crazy character prodigal. She was a, uh, an antagonist for the first part of the campaign, and basically what we discovered about her was that she was really obsessed with grooming this team of heroes to be like yeah. her arch-nemesis. This is what she wanted, so she will, she goes out of her way to learn everything she can about these characters so that, like, oh, they're going to win. No, they don't. Oh, they're going to win. No, they don't. Because it's like, yeah. I can't manufacture my own, like, wins if I don't know everything about them. So one of the things that she brought to the table was, hey, listen, I know you guys have a problem with the main guy who's been out there killing everybody, um. here's basically a key that can turn him off and then turn him back on. Like, we're going to hit yeah. the hard reset switch. So there was one chance for that to happen, and it almost didn't several times because he had a fucking AC of 24 when he shielded.
0: Yeah, and so it was it was brutal. And he's sitting on the other end of the table, and I'm like... Sweating and like trying and he's to. Do like, this. And he's face, like he's like he's like face and hands. And he's
1: yeah, over there and he
0: goes. Wait a minute. He's turned away when he's like running away from. So her, that's right? flanking, and right? It's like yeah, flanking. She gets advantage.
1: Yep. Shit and was it crazy, man. It was true crazy. cool
0: lawyer behavior in the mm-hmm. way of like I'm like a defendant and this is my client. And he was like was... chomping
1: at the bit every time I was like cool this happens and it really sucks because the thing that we were all hoping happens doesn't happen and then he was like wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs>
0: And it's like that's a testament of how involved other players were.
1: Yeah, because no one else has role lawyered me that hard before.
0: It was ins- it was so. And funny. I I,
1: I, just, I had to respect that I was like, you know what? There, the mechanics work the way they do.
0: Yeah, it was it was. I let cool. it
1: happen. Um. Yeah, she was crazy, man. It was absolutely fantastic session. Like I said, everybody cried. Everybody had a moment that it was just like, wow, that's insane. That's sad. That's fucked up. That's so awesome. Um. And then we had our reset at the end, and we go to, we get to go back to the main timeline, yeah. because the hero that fucked everything up sacrifices himself, bomb goes off, uh, in a very flash kind of way, is like, this is how I fix things, here's an yeah. opportunity for you to right your wrongs, and that's exactly what he did.
0: But it was really cool.
1: Yeah, wild uh, session, man, wild session.
0: I think now's a great point to move into our little segment that we're introducing, um, where we're doing uh, viewer-submitted questions. So um, these are going to come, f- and we'll probably have a name for this later, um, but please feel free to submit any questions. Other than
1: viewer-submitted questions, that's what we got going right now.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll workshop it. Um, but these are going to come from Anthony, uh, and we're very, very thankful for reaching out our first viewer-submitted question, so we're super excited. Do you want to pick one first?
1: I figure I'll just read the whole thing, and then we'll, we'll go sort of one by one. Cool. Um, so the question says... Uh, I'm an inexperienced DM that wanted to ask some questions for Table Talk. Do you know the best ways to play with six or more players? What fantasy books do you think you would um, you think would be the best to adapt to D&D? Do you have any other RPGs like Call of Cthulhu or Fallout you guys like to play? Uh, how much do you think real-world luck affects the game? Um, good luck with your podcast. Thanks for reading. Thank you, Anthony, for submitting a question. I- I'll probably hit the ones that are a little bit more DM-focused. So the first one... Uh, do you know the best way to play with six or more players? Don't. <laughs> uh, Not
0: really.
1: Yeah. Not really. No. I mean, to an extent. It's hard. To an extent, it's don't. To an extent, it's like it's also a lot more fun. Um, for an inexperienced DM, the more people you involve, the more difficult it's going to be. Uh, but in a way, it's also a lot easier because it means that you don't have to focus on a particular character as much as you would with like four or five. Like, if I only have four people at the table. I'm going to have to spend a lot more work writing for them and and coming up with plot hooks and magical items because they're only one of four people that are going to be in rotation in terms of talking and role-playing and yada, yada, yada. But if I have six, seven people at the table, it's like everyone has this understanding that they're not going to get a whole lot of time in each session because unless you're playing nine, ten-hour sessions, which is like almost half your day, uh, what time are you going to get? Like, you are one out of seven. And that's just kind of something that comes along with playing with that many people at a table. Uh, I think in terms of how to do it, um, being as organized as Madison was sort of talking earlier, not for every session, but for your session zero slash session one, um, you want as much information as you can possibly gather about your world in one place before you start that session. That does not mean that you need to know 40 NPC names. That does not mean that you need to know 20 magical items. That does not mean that you uh, need to know six different dungeons that they could go to. That just means that you need to know enough about the world that you're playing in that if somebody says, what's that building over there? You can think for a second or look at your source book or look at your notes and go, that's what this building is and that's what happens there. Yeah. Maybe this is the name of somebody that's there if you live in that town. Um, you, need enough, you need to know enough. To s- when someone says, so has there, been any, like, has there been a war in the last, I don't know, 10, 15 years in this area? You can go, yes and no. This is who it was between. This is who won. If you want to know more, go to the library, pick up a book, or go talk to that veteran in the corner who I have a convenient name for here on yeah. Fantasy Name Generator. Like, yeah. You just need to know enough to get you through your first session, and then the rest of it will start to fall in place um, because you really have to get a, a vibe and a feel for how your players are going to interact with you and the world before you can start planning for them. Yeah, At the end of the day, you're not prepping for like this uh, like non-living inorganic session world building, you're, you're planning. For people yeah, you're, cause you're prepping for people. You're prepping for people's interest in the things that they're going to want to interact with and the NPCs that they want to know more about. Um, and, and it's just kind of something that, unfortunately, I have to say, will come naturally to you, and you really just kind of have to jump in. But I think if there's any tip that I can give you for playing with that many people, know enough about the world that you can answer some really basic questions. And if you can't answer those questions, or if they dig deeper, say. Go to a library, go talk to this NPC.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that'll get you through. You just got to figure out where people are interested in going and what they want to do.
0: Yeah. On a more mechanic level, I think with that many people leaning more role play focused um, and mm-hmm. like taking combat encounters a little bit easy just because combat does take so long. Yeah, that's something 5-8. you'll
1: figure out very quickly is um, that combat, especially with seven player economies or six or seven player economies. Yeah. Uh, which action economy is just like a... It's a term that basically refers to how many different things you can do with an action or two actions in a given turn in 5th edition or in any other TTRPG. Yeah. The action economy for 5th edition for any given player, especially when you Fuck. move past level 3, gets insane. You have uh, free object interaction. You have regular interaction. You have... Um, oh, what is the fucking feature that allows you to take an additional action? Action search, which yeah. gives you a whole other action. You have actions that then turn that one action into two attacks instead of one. You have the action to ready a spell. You have disengage. I mean, there's, the list there's of things so you can do in 5th edition, specifically when it comes to combat, is as long uh, as... it Basically, is as tall and as long as you are. Yeah, like, I would it takes say a while to figure that out.
0: With that many players, I think it would be more beneficial uh to fight like one big thing as opposed to like an army or something yeah uh, goons
1: just, are fun when yeah. your players know how to kill them but like if you're just trying to get combat out of the way to get like, like a fun taste a in your mouth
0: because when you've got one target you've got all these people working towards one target yeah. that's going to be easier to manage fight a fight.
1: large thing or fight one my favorite thing one large thing at the end of a room and then maybe three or four small guys that are just there to support that yeah. gives you enough Enough people, enough targets, enough bodies for people to explore and figure out combat while also giving you as a DM one large thing that you can then use to interact within that combat itself. Yeah, Because um, having a way for you to actually control the battlefield as a DM is a lot harder than you think it is because unless you really know your stat blocks of your your enemies very well, you're going to very quickly find out that you have two things you can do. One of them makes sense to do every time, and the Mm -hmm. other one only happens in a very specific circumstance that is never going to happen in this combat. Correct. Because you have seven players, and by the time, uh, before fucking enemy A gets close enough to player one, players fucking three through seven are going to see a kill that they can take, and your enemy's not even going to get close. Yeah. So Uh, you can also hit random encounter generators. I cannot recommend those enough. You put in how many players you have, what level you're at, or what level they're at, and then it'll spit you out a bunch of enemies with stat blocks readily available. And it's just like a fun little kind of random combat thing you can yeah. do. You know? You can also simplify it like I do. Uh if your combat's going too long and just take averages. Yeah. Never tell your players how many hit points they have left in combat. Don't tell <laughs> don't roll in front of the board. Um so that way you can make shit up as it goes. Because it's yeah. like cool, we've been in this combat for fucking two hours. We still have three enemies left. All of my players are taking forever to get through their actions because they've never played the game before. Oh, you you did 10 damage. It had 30 health, but now it has 9. How do you kill it? Yeah,
0: it's... Congratulations. It's some of those things where it's like, okay, cool. Or if it's a situation where, cool, you took down the big guy, all the little guys drop. Uh, we're mm-hmm. done with that part um kind of situation but um well the
1: next one was what fantasy Uh, yeah
0: fantasy books do you think would be the best to adapt in dd i already i was about to say percy jackson works really really well um we just did that um i think superheroes i know those aren't fantasy books or comic books Blah blah um i think those adapt really well i think picking
1: any universe that has a wiki for it already is going to help you a lot bonus points if you can find one that's adapted to fifth edition
0: the more information you have about this world, the easier it's going to be.
1: Yeah, I, think I would anything- not recommend as an inexperienced DM, especially trying to create your own world off-rip unless you've been working with it for a while because yeah. shit just gets difficult, it's man. It's exhausting. I did that um. myself. Uh, very <laughs> first time I'd ever DM'd, I made it a universe uh, based around one location I found on one random wiki page. No other information about it, no stat blocks, no mechanics, no nothing, and just went from there.
0: Yeah. It was rough. Um. It was fun. I think like I lean towards like classic fantasy books as well, just because that's something like where um, I do a lot of reading. I Brian think,
1: Sanderson, any I of his like, stuff.
0: Eh, I have my own thoughts on him. Whatever. As who there are easy books you can get library, into. Um,
1: there's but... wikis for them. Basically, you want to pick the fantasy books and the fantasy universes that, when you say, "What did this person like? What powers did this person have?" It directs you to a wiki dot page where you have a nice little convenient list right in front of your eyes.
0: I think also like classic, and this is going to be, this is kind of my like ballgame, but like classic children's literature, I think is also a really fun jumping off point. If you've got your worlds like Wonderland, Neverland, Narnia, Mm -hmm. um, all of those kind of things I think are really fun. I mean, Lord of the Rings and like the Hobbit obviously translate pretty well. Um, Uh, But I think that yeah, anything that's
1: traditional fantasy, like you're gonna go cool, I have a combat encounter with fucking Nazgul. You're just gonna look up a fucking spirit stat block, or you're gonna look up Nazgul Fifth Edition, and some nerd is already gonna have the stat block right there for you on Google Images. Like
0: people have already adapted everything that you you can think of to Fifth Edition. Yeah,
1: when you stick with mainstream fantasy, you will be in no shortage of information that you'll want or could possibly not want.
0: Oh yeah. Um, and in terms of other RPGs that we like, I've been really wanting to play Call of Cthulhu. I just haven't got around to it uh, because we yeah. mostly play in 5th edition. Like I said, I cannot hype up Kids on Bikes enough. Mm. Uh, Kids on Bikes is so much fun. I'm also... I, w- this is one I haven't played, but I really like uh, I like Vampire the Masquerade a lot. Vampire Masquerade. That's sick the, as hell. You have
1: so much information and so many jumping off points for Vampire oh, the yeah. Masquerade. Uh, there's... I've been seeing it all over my Instagram, but somebody just recently came out with a free Vampire the Masquerade-specific character sheet that's all online. Um, There are so many fucking modules for Vampire the Masquerade as well that, like, you can start pretty much anywhere. Uh, I think other systems similar to that, like, um, any of your, like, boxed setting things, like Alien is a pretty popular one. Mm -hmm. There are several different versions of the Alien universe that are all one-off modules where it's all pretty simple and straightforward. Um... We haven't dabbled a whole lot outside of 5th edition, particularly with modules and things like that. Yeah, mostly just a timing thing. But um, if you're looking for things within 5th edition that are a little bit different, Curse of Strahd is pretty good. There's also so many different versions and different people's takes on Curse of Strahd. There's uh, any of the source books you can pick up at your local game store are going to have one-shots and modules that you can run that sort of take off some of that pressure. Uh, And a lot of those source books, too... Are a really good place to start for new uh, new DMs because it's going to tell you how to approach certain situations based on how many players you have and based on how experienced they are. Uh, so that that really helps quite a bit. Yeah.
0: Uh, three others that I personally like um, slash uh, have a lot of interest in but haven't played um, are uh, <laughs> I I I love all of my like little like small systems. I just haven't got a chance to play them. Uh, Monster of the Week uh, is really cool. It's really fun. fun. It's very like. Uh, It's you can recreate basically Buffy the Vampire, Slayer, Supernatural, all of those like literal Monster (laughs) of the Week TV shows, um, which is super, super cool. Uh, There's also one that I haven't played yet, but I'm dying to called Thirsty Sword Lesbians. Um, It is a queer focused uh, RPG game that seems like a lot of fun. I think there's a sequel to it that also has like a fun, funky little name to it. Uh, And then there's also a uh, superhero themed one called Masks a New Generation. Um, And those all kind of are at least. Kids on Bikes, uh, Monster of the Week, and Masks A New Generation all kind of fall into the same, like, umbrella category for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it is about them, but they have a lot of, like, really good, like, they fall into, like, a lot of the character creation falls into these, like, tropes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're choosing, like, a character trope as you're, like, starting and off.
1: And that really helps with Brawl playing purposes, because it's yes. like, I don't necessarily know how to play this person who's from this random town and has this really convoluted backstory, but I can sure as shit play, like, the, the, the book smart nerd who doesn't know what social, you know, like... Yeah. You can play tropes and stereotypes for your first time as a player a lot easier, and even as a DM, than you can like a random character with fucking essays worth of backstory that you've yeah. never played.
0: It's it's easier to play. The tropes are there for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-made characters, real world luck affecting the game.
1: That could be an entire episode in and of itself. For those that have listened to previous episodes, oh. you all know that I love I love my philosophical topics. Um, real world luck affecting the game. I mean, specifically with fifth edition and D anD D, it is. And, like, it truly is... I
0: think it depends on your DM.
1: Kind of all luck. I think, yeah, I think a lot of it is DM. I think, as a DM, you can control your DCs uh, and accept roles a lot easier than players can sort of interact with those systems. Um, I think, as a player, it will always feel like luck (laughs) to an extent. And I think what's most fun from the player perspective is that you get to take that luck into your own hands by adding mechanics, by adding spells, Mm -hmm. by adding systems that you can learn inside and out and mastering your action economy as a particular player um but i think from the dm side of it you will very quickly find out that luck really only is present at the table if you want it to be yeah um i can set a dc for something
0: specific player at our table who rolls nat ones
1: oh yeah and you'll find people too that just fucking unnaturally roll a lot of either high rolls or low rolls and so i mean it just depends uh
0: because it's one of those things where you can do a really cool thing and be like yeah Narratively, this is totally gonna work, and then you roll your dice and you get a nat one, and mm-hmm. you're like, "Well, damn!" I or you do something really, really cool. There was a a ballsy decision I made last session, uh, and I was like, I. I had rolled a nat one on my previous attempt, and I did something. Basically, I was about to fight this character, and I decided, you know what? I'm going to fucking balls to the wall instead of fighting this character. I'm going to, like, drop my armor. I'm going to drop my fighting stance, and I'm going to let them hit me, and I'm just going to really, really hope that fucking that persuasion insane. roll works, yeah. and I just don't get eviscerated right now. Uh, and yeah. that was one of those moments where it felt like... that's was crazy. Like, I, if I rolled insane. a nat one... Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I fucked.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's something that we've mentioned in previous episodes. I think specifically one of the ones where I focused on like how to be a good DM versus like being a shitty player and those kinds of things. Um, don't forget that as a DM, just because this question seems to be really focused on the DMing side of things, that you can set the DC however you want to and you can accept roles even if in your mind they didn't pass the DC Like, you can be as nice and as luck-based as you want to be. It's entirely up to you. If it is, like, all of the player's actions are riding on this one really cool thing, and in your mind you were like, cool, DC 18, all you said at the table was give me a charisma check, and they roll a 17, you are allowed. This is from Robert to DM, Robert to you, personally. You are allowed. I give you permission to say, that just barely passes, or holy shit, that passes. What does it look like? What do you say? Yeah. Um, you are all there to have fun at the end of the day in some way, shape, form, reason. So do not be afraid as a DM to let your players and yourself have fun. Despite the mechanics and the DCs that you've set for yourself, you can lie. You can fib. Oh, yeah. You can bullshit. You can make things up, change things last minute. Just have fun. Enjoy I mean- yourself. Let your players enjoy it.
0: When talking about luck, you can't not bring up, um, I'm going to bring up Allie Beardsley from Dimension 20, Mm. who uh, in one of the craziest moments uh, in Fantasy High Season 1, spoiler alert, uh, last fight. uh, We can
1: talk about our own table now. I said fucking for Bodega Man. Oh, my
0: God, yeah. We have our own moment Let's use that example.
1: We had a, so our robot character, there were sort of two personalities with Imhin, one that had been assimilated and been sort of made into this construct to work for the government that took over the body, and then the other one who's like this, kind of like newborn in the world trying to figure out how to have, like kind of like a frankenstein character where it's, I have all this power and I'm strong and whatever, but I don't really know how to interact with people, I don't know what emotions are, I don't know what friends are, Uh, and he finally made a friend. In one of our last sessions before everything went to shit, who I just called Bodega Man, who was basically the owner of a bodega store that was down the street um, from the base, and he basically stopped in wandering the world and was like, hey, man, what's going on with you? And he goes, well, I'd be a lot better if my fucking cash register would work. And he was like, I can help with that. I'm a robot, and then fixes it and made a friend. And so we were at the table, and we were trying to decide, okay, how much does the government know about your life Pre, like, previous to being taken back into the fold. Yeah. Like, were you, as Chip, the like, the alternate personality within the main Atlas body, how well were you able to keep the information that you know about your superhero friends to yourself? He rolled, like, a fucking three or a four, which and is definitely not much. what he wanted, and everybody was like, let him re-roll, let him re-roll, and I was like, you know what? For a bodega man, go ahead and give me a, give me go ahead and re-roll it, because that's bullshit. I don't agree with that roll either. And he rolled a fucking natural 20, And so I was like, cool. They didn't crack anything out of you. Um, You have kept all of that information to you, personal and private. Nobody knows anything that you know. Like, yes, you're still a personality trapped within the larger robot, but like you didn't fucking tell anybody anything. Yeah,
0: you kept your goddamn mouth closed.
1: Yep. Um, um, and it's like really cool stuff, or just yeah, like for the narrative, you Dimension
0: know? 20 says a lot that the, the dice have a story to tell, and I believe that to my core. Uh, yep, and 100%. They, it, sometimes you were just fucking doomed. If you listen to our la- uh, the season one finale, I rolled four nat ones. Insanity. Uh, at the beginning of the session, and it was like, cool, the story is that I'm, I can't do shit. Is yep. that I'm the fucking The story garbage. is that
1: in this moment, I've cracked. I'm just too much pressure. It's me against like six of these guys. And I then there's can't other get moments
0: where you ask to do some bullshit thing for no you reason. Hit a nat 20. And you get a nat 20 and you change the rules of the universe. Yep. Um, it's like, cool, so I
1: give you whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, fun. Just a little side tip before we end things here, because we're finally coming to the end of our episode. I think another piece of advice I would give to an inexperienced DM, six players, five players, three players, I don't give a shit. Um, let people do what they want on their own Nat 20s as long as it is within the confines and the yeah. rules of the universe you're playing in. Um, also, if you let your players have that much fun on a Nat 20, give them consequences, funny, stupid, serious, whatever you want to on Natural Ones. Yeah. Because it makes your dice tell a significantly um, better story and more fun story and interactive story when there are numbers on the dice that can change the entire game uh, at its very core. Yeah. And a so nat 1 like, doesn't
0: always have to be, you fucking like die. Yeah, you, you trip. Can do goofy shit.
1: Yeah, like you fucking tear your Achilles heel on a nat 1 dexterity check. Congratulations, you're now paralyzed from the waist down for the next two sessions. Like,
0: Yeah, it's like, no, that's not fun. You
1: trip and each shit, and I'm going to roll a d6 for how much bludgeoning damage you take. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be stupid things. Sometimes you can make nat 1s do fun things, too. One of our one shots, I made a nat 1 send a character <laughs> on a really fucking stupid quest to solve a riddle, and in the end, it worked. Yeah, so, it was, you know, you don't always have to make it the world's, like the world's ending consequences are like, well, looks like you uh, slip and fall on an icicle, and now you're brained, so make a new character, see you next session. All of my
0: session. favorite Nat ones are always like, when someone, it's like, cool, I'm doing like an insight check, and then you get a Nat one, and they're like, hey guess what you know without a sh- without like, mm. a, like oh a i love shadow that shit lying and to people like, on natural ones lying to people on natural ones is the it will never not be funny like that is a bit that gets because you it's every it's the time. one
1: time when somebody rolls something on the dice where the player knows that whatever comes out of the dm's mouth next is it's total bullshit, bullshit. And, and i can lie to you and you just have to take that like you got a now one inside he wants to have sex with you right now
0: and it creates some of the funniest moments at the table because those are moments where you as a player you're like
1: you have to commit to the bit
0: committing to the i rolled in that one on a like a uh, fucking lore check i have this to one commit to the bit man we were in like investigating somewhere and the way that robert chose to do that he was like you're so distracted because this guy is your celebrity crush he's so and hot like, he's such an unlikable
1: person but you think he's the hottest man on planet earth yeah
0: and he's so fucking hot and you're so in him and i'm like cool this is this is when we commit to the bit <laughs> and it Created one of the weirdest moments this campaign has had. Truly. Oh,
1: it was odd. It was. It there was, was an almost threesome happened. It was it crazy. It was bizarre. Yep. It,
0: it's like funny moments like that, or would you get to like also kind of take that failure into your hands. That's like the whole Gorgug asking people who their da- who his mm-hmm. dad is in Fantasy High season one. If you've seen that, um, it's just it's. I love I love the bullshit. I yep. love. It also
1: means that when you don't know how to handle a situation, when somebody fails that that bad, or when somebody wins that well, you can just go. What happens? Yeah. What do you do? What does this look like? Because you don't have to make it up. Now it's on the player.
0: Personally, every Nat One insight check, you should just lie and be like this Oh, hundred percent. It's, it's gotta be
1: some bullshit. It
0: is so funny every
1: The Nat day. One Insight Check is basically you looking at somebody trying to figure out what they're thinking or what they're like what their intentions are and then making your own assumption on a horribly wrong read and going, yeah. They wanna have sex with me.
0: And then you as a player are confident in that because you don't know you got a Nat One. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like, the character that you're playing has no idea that, he's, that he or she or they has just rolled a natural one. But what they do know is that they're awfully fucking convinced that this guy wants to have sex with them.
0: Yeah, and so now you get to operate as a character in a very tense situation be like, so, like, what are you doing later? Yeah, and, like, and they're it's like just, an incredibly chaos. powerful
1: politician who, like, yeah. actively has a significant other. And you've chosen this moment to try and, like, charisma check them up at the table in front of everybody because you think they want to fuck you.
0: It's It's so funny every time.
1: Awesome. I think we're going to call it a here. Uh, Thank you all for our our first successful segment of um, sort of doing a little talk back and answering viewer questions. Also for joining us on Session Zero of Season 2. If you haven't listened to all of Season 1, this is a requirement. I'm setting homework, (laughs) as I do for my players. You have to listen to all 20-ish episodes before you come back uh, to Episode 1. It's a requirement. You're not allowed to listen to the next one. You have to. That's your homework, so... Hopefully by then you will be the equivalent of a level 15 listener and will know everything there is to know.
0: Totally, and we'll see you next Thursday.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Bye.